0: It hasn't been six months since we've podcasted last I think, um, you know, last, last year we promised all of these episodes around the holidays We got through one episode, we flooded the house with natural gas And then <laughs> called it a year for the podcast So um, this is season two, episode two of Swiped A podcast about modern relationships Notice the slight title change modern relationships as opposed to modern dating i feel like that gives us a little more uh runway for different types of relationships so you know it's not just dating because this could go towards
1: marriages family yeah i mean
0: we could that's a direction worse divorce i think we might have a divorce episode coming soon um unfortunately but uh I, I just feel like there are so many different directions to go with this that we have yet to explore. So I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, it's so nice to uh, sit down and chat again. This week, we have two different topics. So our first topic will be um, how to handle when a woman makes more than a man in a relationship.
1: It's pretty heteronormative sounding, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. We
0: need to be better.
1: We should be better. So this this came from an article that's been going around certainly on my Twitter and on my Facebook saying that millennial women struggle, I guess, when they make more money than men when they're in heterosexual relationships, I guess.
0: Yeah, so I actually did a little bit of research uh, before we recorded and found that one in four women mm-hmm. actually do make uh, make more money than a man in a relationship. Shit, we just is talked that, about being heteronormative. Is that
1: millennial women or is that women of any age? Uh,
0: just women of any age.
1: I'm not going to feel right until that's four out of four women.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Uh, that's kind
1: of like that's a surprisingly low number to me I guess I would have thought it would be higher but what do
0: you what do you think it would be
1: this is highly impacted by the people who I'm around on social media and in my field that's a very high earning field I think that it just probably skews my idea
0: yeah so um uh, yeah this so the study that I saw okay hold on I have a new statistic actually it's been updated. So in 2015, 38% of American wives made more money than their husbands. What percent? 38%, 3 8 Cool. So uh but many women remain ambivalent about being breadwinners. So um this hmm. woman makes about 70% more than her own male partner. And she's trying to understand why so many of the millennials she speaks to report feeling concerned or even ashamed about the repercussions of their success.
1: I feel like it's being framed very much here as like a women's issue when like it seems just way more complicated and nuanced than that. And would that woman feel ashamed or concerned if the man in that partnership wasn't shitty? You know? Um yeah,
0: I think a lot of um gender norms play into this. Yeah. Uh especially since uh a lot of men obviously feel like they need to become the breadwinner mm-hmm. of the relationship, but I feel like you should just celebrate success as a couple, period and yeah if the woman gets a good job and she makes more then you celebrate that because that means that that opens up so many new avenues that both of you have as as partners
1: yeah so to make this more personal have you ever been in a relationship where the woman makes more uh
0: yeah um well uh yeah 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 <laughs> I definitely have. Um, I, I'm thinking of uh one in particular and it uh-huh. was it was close while we dated. I made slightly more, uh, but she was finishing something that would allow her to earn so much so much more than I would. So uh-huh. probably on a scale of about seven to eight times more than what How? I was earning. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So um that definitely was not an issue with the two of us, but it was more an issue of how she talked to me about my very own career.
1: I mean, it sounds like then it kind of was an issue with the two of you.
0: Yeah, I guess it was an issue now that you say that. But and now that I actually think about what I said after I said, Oh, it wasn't an issue. So
1: what did she say about your how like how did she talk to you about your career?
0: Um, I I guess it was a lot of um a lot of longing for me to have in what was, in her eyes, as mm-hmm. prestigious of a career as the field that she was going into. And uh, on several occasions, definitely made the comment, why can't you work at Boeing like, <laughs> you know, my friend's, yeah. my friend's husband? Are like everybody else's partner in her class. Like, why can't you work at Boeing? Never mind the fact that uh, I I was fairly deep into what I consider to be a successful career. I've right. put in the time. I've been recognized as being um as being successful within my own field. I need yes. to I, I need to watch how I talk about myself. It's a little awkward to say that, but huh. um. I definitely put in the time to become as skilled as I am within my field. And there was no appreciation for that. So I work in nonprofit. So I, in her eyes, working nonprofit was not good enough.
1: How did it make you feel?
0: A little bit shitty, a little bit disrespected, because I found that to be a pretty problematic comment like why can't you work at Boeing
1: yeah it's like she yeah
0: it's like she wouldn't even care if I worked in the mail room at Boeing just as long as I could say I worked at Boeing
1: so going back to that article that you were reading the headline of do you think that she felt ashamed of making more than you
0: I don't think so because on several occasions she mentioned that she would want me to stay home and be a stay-at-home dad and take care of the kids, and while wow,
1: you worked at Boeing,
0: well, mm-hmm. yeah, I know, right? I know, I know. Uh, but definitely, uh, at some point, she wanted me to become a stay-at-home dad, and mm-hmm. that was one of her as she tried to sell me, sell me on the ideas of getting married to her. That was one of the selling points that she put out was that you'll never have to work a day again in your life. Which, come on.
1: Having been in a really shitty marriage where I was, like, very much in danger because I had been a stay-at-home mom, that seems just so worrisome to me.
0: Oh, of course. I mean, of course. But I wasn't even 30 at this point. Yeah. So the idea of someone telling me, You will never have to work again. It was, it, it, it drummed up all sorts of weird feelings for me because on one hand, damn, how nice would that be? But then on the other hand, how unfulfilling would that be?
1: And did it seem like, I mean, you seem to me to be the kind of person who wants to work, even if you didn't have to. Did it feel like she wanted something for you that you wouldn't want or like I don't know. Like she didn't understand you.
0: Uh, I'm definitely the type that wants to work. If I won the lottery tomorrow, I would still find a way to work. I mm. wouldn't work five days a week, but I would still definitely work. Um, I think it felt like more so that she thought that her money could dictate the relationship. whoo. <laughs> So she could tell me what to do.
1: Because she was making the money.
0: Because she was going to make the money. Wow. So in the end, obviously, that did not work out. (laughs) Uh, So what about yourself? Have you been in that sort of situation? Yeah, I have. Tell me more. So
1: I've been, I have been relationships where I out earn my male partner a few times so that Happened in my marriage, actually. Before we were married, there was a point where I was making, I would say, a fair amount more than he was. And it didn't, I don't think it bothered him at all. I think that it was just, like, he appreciated it, you know. Like, we went out to eat all the time, and we went on vacations, and we were able to live a lifestyle that we wouldn't have been able to if I had been making, like, a lower salary, I guess. So it wasn't a problem in my marriage, but then after I got divorced, yeah, so after I got divorced, I had, like, I would say my next really serious relationship post-divorce was the situation where I was making a lot less than I'm making now because I was just starting out, like, I had a career change and it was, I was just getting started in that new career, but My partner was making a lot less. He had just lost like this office job he'd had for a long time and was working kind of like hourly jobs that also just weren't paying very much. And it was absolutely, absolutely a point of contention for us in weird ways. Like I feel like he was trying to shame me in ways for my ambition, like I mean, I have two kids and I'm a single mom, so I very much am concerned with making money. And I have to be because I'm a breadwinner for a whole family, you know. So it's not just like me being some kind of spoiled princess. Like, I don't want to make money so that I can, you know, go shopping or buy new cars. Like, I want to make money so that I can pay my mortgage and give my kids stability. But I remember this one conversation where I was talking to him about how I was working a job where I was underpaid compared to market salary. And I had been talking to him about like I was going to ask for a raise and he got really weird about it and said, well, back when I was dating my other ex-girlfriend, I was making less than what you're making now. and We live totally fine. Like, I feel like he got super defensive about it. And it was something about, like, me saying that the amount of money he had made, which was probably, like, his highest salary, wasn't enough for me. And, like, I was saying I needed more than that. And it put him in this really weird place. Like, but I, really weird.
0: I think he's mix- missing a lot of the additional context there. You have sure. children that you need to take care of. Right. That you are, their, sometimes, their sole provider. Yeah. Um, which... I just don't understand why he missed that part of it. Well,
1: I mean, and that was a situation like that was when he was with a previous partner and that partner wasn't working and did have a kid. So in that in that case, like he also was a breadwinner for a whole family at that point. But he felt like they were living a great lifestyle on this salary that like was like a third of what I'm making right now.
0: So uh, this article does go on to say that um, the feedback that men receive from culture is clear. Men should be earning more so that they can provide for their family. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, it's a problem. These messages produce an almost unavoidable emotional and psychological consequence. Women feel guilty and men feel emasculated.
1: I think that was absolutely true in this relationship that he felt like that. I didn't feel guilty. Like, I chose this career to make money, and it was my goal because I needed stability for my family, and I will never feel guilty about caring about money, caring about my salary, caring about my earnings potential. Like, I feel so much pride from that. I think
0: for me... A disparity in earnings is Mm -hmm. not the issue
1: Yeah. when it
0: comes to a career, but more so disparity in ambition.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that, I mean, I've been in other partnerships where maybe I earn more, but we have, like, equal amounts of ambition. And that hasn't felt weird in any way. I think that in this relationship, like, he had way less ambition and then also was working these jobs that he felt were kind of beneath him. And so he already felt super weird about all of this stuff. Like he was worried that if I like took him to meet my family or took him to meet my coworkers, that I would be embarrassed by him or he would look like the loser boyfriend was like terms he used. Yeah. So I think,
0: um, it's it's funny because I, I think a lot of people get caught up in careers mm-hmm. uh, and they get really self-conscious about talking about careers when they get in that sort of public like networking, network sort of situation when I think what is most interesting to me is passion so I think about the times uh, one time in particular that I talked to A pilot had an extended conversation with a pilot who should have had a lot of really interesting things to say, Mm -hmm. like fascinating things. And I was trying to pull things out of him about what is it like to fly, to be a commercial pilot for a major airline? And it was one of the least engaging conversations that I've ever had, but one of the most engaging conversations that I ever had about someone's career was a man that was a janitor at a grade school but it was because he was just passionate about what he did yeah. and he he had lots of ambition not so in like a ladder climbing sort of way but in a let me challenge myself on a daily basis and learn new things sort of yeah. way even outside of work he challenged himself So I don't think it's a career thing at all. I think it's much more so like, who are you as a person?
1: Yeah, I can see
0: that. So I, you know, um, I guess on, on the other side, what needs to, what conversation needs to happen in these types of relationships or, or what kind- I guess the secondary yeah. part of this topic what what conversations need to happen surrounding money in a relationship?
1: Well, I think this is very different depending on where you are in your relationship. I think that dating is incredibly different, especially around money than like marriage or having a family together and I'm actually I'm in a Facebook group for moms who are the breadwinners for their families, so this is either single moms or married moms who out in their partners. I would say it's primarily, though, like partnered women. And I think that the dynamics at play are just incredibly different if you're like dating and it's just kind of about like who picks up the check as opposed to like married and making these big, huge decisions that will shape your entire life based on what your total income is. Like, if you feel like, like, if there's a situation where, like, there is a husband and a wife and the wife is totally out earning her husband and the husband is, like, just not that motivated career-wise and they've kind of struggled about this because, like, she feels super stressed out or she feels like she has too much responsibility on her shoulders and he's just not pitching in around this. Like, I think that that's just a very different conversation than, like, people who are kind of casually dating Okay,
0: so let's let's have a scenario here. Then um let's say two people are thinking about getting married. What conversations you need to do you think needs to take place hmm. before that happens?
1: That's a really good question. Um well, feel like I'm probably not the right one to answer this because I did get married before not having had any of these important conversations. So I think that I would want to have conversations around, like, what are your goals in life? What, like, where are your lines in the sand? What do you want your life to look like in the future? What do you want it to look like in the near future, in the far future? And what type of combined income will we have to have to manage that? I think there would need to be conversations around things like what will we do if one person becomes unable to work or i don't know that's a good question but what what do you think
0: i think um i think one of the most important things to talk about are we combining our finances are we combining our accounts will we have one bank account will we have three bank accounts or Uh, So, like, will we have a joint account where all bills are paid and then our separate accounts? Will we have one account where everybody's money goes into one thing? Or will we have two separate accounts where you have one, I have one, and Mm -hmm. then, you know, you you take from both to pay bills? Have you had
1: combined accounts before?
0: No. No. I would
1: say that, for me, the hardest thing about combined accounts, and this was probably really just like a relationship issue was that we didn't necessarily communicate constantly about who was spending what money and who was planning to spend what money. So I might be planning to go to the grocery store for like a kind of big grocery store run and then my ex-husband would like buy this other thing and then spend the money that I was planning on spending on groceries but we just like hadn't talked about it. You know, so that was something that... Just would have required like constant communication or maybe just like more padding in your in your checking account. But we didn't have any at that point. I don't know.
0: I feel like this gets back to this. This podcast should just be named just communicate, (laughs) because I feel like no matter what topic we have, it always comes back to the tail end of the of the each topic is oh, you should talk about that with your partner. Oh, let's communicate True. better. Let's there's be better like, about this.
1: There's a component of this we haven't talked about yet, but when I was in that partnership with the guy who was making significantly less than me, I felt like I don't, I don't know if at this point in my life I would date somebody in that circumstance, but when I was in that relationship and then I felt like, oh, I don't know. like I don't know if this is kind of the partner I want. Then I felt like, oh my God, I'm being so classist. Like, is it classist of me to like want to date somebody with a career or want to date somebody with like stable income? You know?
0: Well, I feel like some professions just pay less than others. So, Absolutely, what? Absolutely, yes. You know, what if you're dating someone, uh, an artist who makes mm-hmm. uh, significantly less? But it's stable It's stable income
1: True.
0: Um, I would feel much better about that Than someone who is like Piecing together things Or you know What happens when one, One stream One revenue stream disappears Am I going to have to Carry both of us?
1: Yeah Would you date somebody who was like Making a fairly low income?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um as as long as our views were in alignment about lifestyle. Yeah. I wouldn't want someone who's making a low income that expects a mansion because that's not that's not realistic. Right. It it's definitely not realistic for mm-hmm. uh for me as a partner. Um Without sacrificing a lot to get there and and becoming house poor in the process, so I think I would, as long as they had healthy views of finances.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Do you
0: have ten thousand dollars or more in credit card debt? Oh, geez. Uh, Do you have forty thousand dollars in credit card debt? I've seen these types of articles. Where someone gets married and they're like, whoa, my partner had $40,000 of credit
1: card debt. That's a good thing to communicate about before you get married. Just like a state of the finances discussion, I think.
0: So um, the last part about this study that I want to share is that the University of Chicago found that a wife making even $5,000 a year more than her husband was associated with a greater risk of divorce
1: yes this is something that we actually have talked about like in so i'm in this breadwinning moms group on facebook and i'm in a few like women in tech type of groups and yeah yes women are well marriages are more likely to end if the woman makes more money but does that just mean the woman can afford to leave a bad marriage as opposed to being trapped I think that's a big part of it and that's a good thing that's a really good thing i'm pro-divorce in most cases
0: i think that does um that that is a good distinction that's missing and that's like a missing component yeah that's a missing component of that study that i'd be really interested in hearing more about um definitely definitely would want to learn more about like why is that why is there a higher Mm -hmm. divorce rate is it you know, I honestly think it's the mobility, like the the ability to just. Sure. Leave. I agree right. with it's you there. It's just not
1: working. I'm leaving. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Much so, much more so than I'm trapped because I'm yes. reliant upon you for all of the money.
1: I will say overall in this breadwinning moms group I'm in, people post constantly about their husbands. And so these are husbands who are not the main income earners and they'll post things about like. Oh, and it turns out he also doesn't do anything around the house, and he's not carrying his weight in terms of childcare. And I just want to, like, grab every one of those women by the shoulders and say, just leave. Just divorce him. Like, you're the one making the money. You're the one doing the housework. You're the one doing the child care. Like, why are you there?
0: He provides nothing.
1: They'll be like, he makes me laugh. He's an okay dad.
0: Jesus, watch Netflix if you want to laugh. You I know. know. The,
1: <laughs> the bar is so low for men.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it seriously is. Yeah. yeah. We talked about that before the podcast.
1: Yes. So the second...
0: Yeah, did you have something you were going to read? Okay. The, the second topic, um, first dates. First mm-hmm. dates have definitely been on my mind a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, it's... Due to some friends that are newly on the market, I will say. Ah. And um, one friend in particular, and and, uh, I I have a texting thread with a group of my male friends. And uh, one friend is newly single. Uh And we spent the day talking about him getting himself back out onto the market. So as I was texting with this group of guys, I just thought, well, what makes a good first date? What makes a bad first date? Yeah. So if, if our lovely listeners are trying to plan dates, what components do they need to think about as they plan dates?
1: Oh, okay. This is interesting. I wasn't thinking about it at all from the perspective of like event planning. I was thinking about it more just like the elements that are there in a good first date. So
0: I want to leave our lovely listeners in a good place so when they finish this episode – They are ready to go on some great dates. This is
1: a how-to manual. Yes. So on
0: your date, tell your date about Swiped, the podcast about modern (laughs) relationships, and tell them that you listened to season two, episode two, where we talk about dating and planning dates.
1: Man, okay. I mean, bare minimum, plan it and show up. I
0: mean, again, this is uh, this is setting the bar very low. So showing up, have, have you ever gotten stood up for a date? Oh,
1: man. Um, hmm. I don't think I've been – I can't think of a time where I've been stood up where I was actually at the place, but I do remember a time – this was like I was in college, and I had just started, like, internet dating. And we were – It was a kind of situation. I mean, this was like, God, forever ago. He was going to call me after work, and we were just going to decide where to meet. And I had like, I was totally ready. He didn't call me. I was just like, okay, whatever. I mean, I'd never met this guy before, and I didn't care about him. But then he like popped back up a few months later, and he was like, hey, uh, sorry about that. My grandma died. So are we on? what the hell no no what yeah wow so people uh,
0: suck yeah people do suck I've never been stood up for a date actually um more so people just cancel and and I find that people are very flaky
1: yeah people do flake out so step one don't flake out go on your date at least show up at least
0: show up and have a drink even if you don't even if you want to back out at that point, yeah, have like a courtesy drink and you say, oh, okay, I got to get going, you know, look at your watch a little bit. Right. Um, but I I think there are definitely components of a date that, uh, that make for a successful date. You know so- what's
1: interesting? I was just thinking about this, and I did the vast majority of my dating when I lived in New York. And in New York, almost all of my first dates, we would just walk around Manhattan. Like we would – go to a place first right but then like after we had dinner after we had our coffee or after we did the thing that we had planned on we would just like walk and talk and it was wonderful and I feel like I mean truly every first date I can think of that I went on in New York had like an hours of walking and talking component to it that I've never had In my St. Louis first dates, it's just a different city and it's not really possible. I think
0: um, I think that's a component that's definitely missing in St. Louis is variety. I find that a lot of dating in St. Louis is just very. Again, bare minimum, Hmm. Um, boring, like what? Repetitive. Let's have a drink uh but without anything that's like unique about the drink yeah so maybe there's a bar that has like swings at the bar maybe that, it's
1: a bar you go to on all your first dates yeah
0: maybe it is maybe it is but uh and I'm I'm going to get there actually so don't make faces at me <laughs> uh, so I I feel like I I think about uh I've been on a
1: couple of walking first dates in St. Louis yes I have were they like spontaneous? We just ended up walking at some point during the night, or was it planned? It was planned. Because I feel like you would kind of have to plan it. Yeah, both of them here. were
0: very much so planned. Yeah. And both of them definitely stood out, even though it didn't work out with either person. Uh-huh. Um, uh, they definitely stood out as unique dates that left me in a very good spot afterwards.
1: Huh. Do you feel like uniqueness is a key component to first dates?
0: I think so, especially for people who go on a number of first dates. Yeah. I feel like do something to 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 get your to differentiate yourself from the rest of the
1: pool. This is interesting because I don't feel like that at all. Like I feel like the thing that differentiates you is you. So even if you had 10 first dates all at the same restaurant, the thing that would make it different is the person you're on a date with. So that's the
0: thing, though. Um, and that was one of my later steps that you beat me to, is that my last step mm-hmm. is to disregard all of the steps before it because if it's a good date, it's going to be a good date anywhere. If you truly have a, a good bond, Yeah, Like you can find ways to make it a good date. I could go on a first date to bank (laughs) if it's someone that I really like and I really connect and bond with. Yeah, And we could find a way to make a bank enjoyable.
1: But it's hard to find ways to make things enjoyable with somebody you just met. You know what I mean? Like I think that there are settings that kind of set you up for success or just like kind of smooth out the rough edges a little bit more. Sometimes you just click
0: with someone, though. And I'm talking yeah. about the people you just click with. There have been some extended relationships I've gotten in where uh, where it took some time to build into or mm-hmm. it, it took some time to build up to. I've been in some relationships that move very fast where I think I talked about this on a... Uh, oh, yes, I did talk about this in season one. I want to say it's season one, episode six, Uh, Refresh our memory Please check your archives and see if that was the case But I want to say It was season 1 episode 6 Let me double check right quick But um, in season 1 Episode 4 Yeah it's season No nope 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 It is Season 1, Episode 6. Well, well, well. Look at this guy who knows his own (laughs) podcast. What a concept. This dork. Yeah, so Season 1, Episode 6, I talk about a relationship that I was in that moved very fast uh, where we did go on legitimate dates, Mm -hmm. uh, but then at the end of the second date, uh, the person that I was with told me that they loved me. Wild. Wild. I mean, there were drinks involved before that. God, I mean, sure. there weren't enough drinks involved to make that okay. There's not a number
1: of drinks involved. Two dates. Two dates. I mean, to me, that's a huge red flag, and I would run away. I think that it's probably different if you're a guy. But for me, I would feel like this is heading into, like, physically dangerous territory for something like that. Like, watch out. This is going to be the guy who murders you.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, I, I do see a distinct difference in how men would view something as as compared to how women can view something, yeah. and very much so. I think um, even with actions in general, if you're into that person, it kind of gets a pass. If you're not into someone... Were you someone, into
1: this person, and that's why you were like, yeah, okay, that's cool.
0: Yeah, I was. I was. Hmm. Um, but... Looking back, I'm I'm thinking, damn, that was unhealthy. How is that okay?
1: You have a lot more clarity looking back at things, of course. Oh,
0: Jesus. Yeah, 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 definitely. But, um, okay, so thinking about first dates again. So location. One of the things that jumped out to me about location, it can't be too quiet and it can't be too loud. I don't want to have to yell over a band that's playing in a background on a first date.
1: Mm -hmm. but I'd also like to be at a place where there's like enough conversation around me that it doesn't feel like everybody in the place is listening to every single thing I say yes
0: uh yeah yeah definitely so a medium volume level Uh uh-huh I think there has to be a good cocktail menu
1: I actually, so recently, maybe a couple of years ago, I dated somebody who didn't drink at all and was Muslim. And that was a very big change of pace for me because I'm so used to there being cocktails and that kind of like smoothing the way for those first, for those getting to know you dates. Right. But this was like, OK, this is totally off the table and it did feel different.
0: Yeah, I actually did date, um, I dated a woman a few years ago that was sober, Mm -hmm. and um, that was definitely an interesting process Yeah, because it made me rethink how to date because, like I said, and I will gently call myself out uh, when I say, like, people are overly reliant upon, like, oh, let's go get a drink. You know, like, that's, like, the fallback. So it made me, for mm-hmm. the fir- one of the first times in my life, think creatively about
1: that. Huh. Uh, the what funny- did you do on your first date? Uh, we went out to dinner, actually. And had she told you in advance that she was sober? It said so on her profile. Okay.
0: Yeah, her profile said, it was, like, the most private thing about me. That- and all it, <laughs> all it said was, <laughs> Why do you react like that?
1: I feel like that's not a well, maybe to her it felt very private and very personal. i I think people use those in a variety of ways. The most private thing about me question.
0: It's it a clean and sober. So um so we did go out to we went out to dinner and I, I will say, uh, it was like in the end, like the first mm-hmm. half of that dinner was super freaking awkward. Uh because well, one, uh, Let me see how detailed I want to get about this. Details. Uh, One, she was a. uh, Don't encourage me. Uh, She was a college professor. Man, I'm going to get busted. Uh, She is a college professor, and uh, as I I had, I was sitting on the sidewalk because I was the first one there. This is irrelevant to this this topic, but I still feel like it's a dating story, so it's relevant to this show. Um, But uh, so I was sitting on the sidewalk. Um, in it, On a table it, Like some patio seating And we were at this restaurant In the central west end And I had my back To the parking lot This parking lot was behind me On this very busy street uh-huh. And I heard a voice behind me And I instantly knew it was This woman And But she was talking to someone <laughs> Which was really weird And It turns out that she was walking up and uh, to the state, and she ran into one of her students.
1: Ooh, that sounds awkward. It
0: was awkward as hell. So even more awkward, there's a pretty significant age gap with us. One that I think was twenty years. I think it's. Tw- I think it mm-hmm. was. Uh, it might have been twenty-one years. It, I think it was twenty-one or twenty-two years. Actually, at that uh-huh. point. Um, so there is a significant age gap and there is definitely like visually you knew that there is a significant age gap. It's not like she looked like she's 20 um, nor would I want that. But like and it wasn't a big deal, but it was definitely a, a, a noticeable age gap. distinct. Okay. So she walks up, the student walks up and she's like, OK, well, you know. But we're saying hi for the first time ever. This Was is a the first day. Was the student still there? Yeah. Ooh. This, this dude didn't move. So she's like, uh, she introduced me to him. Oh, man. And he looked, he like, she's like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is Stephen, And uh, Stephen holds out his hand and he looks at me and he's doing one of these i'm making a weird face like a confused <laughs> i'm i'm ruffling my eyebrows uh-huh. and the look on his face was like really like really and so i extended my hand and i shook it and i did that back to him and like i was super like,
1: awkward first date i was
0: like yeah really it's your professor Show up to class on Tuesday.
1: <laughs> so, uh,
0: the date itself, though, it did take some time to get through the awkward opening minutes without booze because I think yeah. of that sometimes as a crutch for Definitely. us to deal with uncomfortable feelings.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe we should just
0: own our discomfort through dating.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So, okay. So, okay.
0: The first thing we identified was. Uh what's the location? Mm-hmm. What about leading up to a date? What needs to happen leading up to a
1: date? Totally different depending on the person. I think extremely I agree. different. Yeah. So I like the most recent time I dated, I did online dating and I definitely got the impression that I was handling the time between like somebody sending a first message up until the point of the date differently than other people in the sense that like I was kind of getting feedback from some other, from some of the guys that like women usually are happier to just like set a date and go on a date before they even like exchange any conversation. And as a single mom, my time is so limited that I felt like I really did have to like vet somebody more, you know, not like, weeks of conversation but like I needed to have like I needed to chat with them a little bit before I was going to spend one of my child free nights which is like a rare and precious thing on that first date so I think it's just different person to person and situation to situation
0: it is and I I think for me that Mm. was one of the most frustrating and like anxiety inducing things about dating to me is Mm. Figuring out someone's conversational style. Yeah. I don't want to text them too much, but I don't want to text them so little that they think that I'm not engaged.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So I've never how do about you that.
0: how do you find that middle ground with a person? You yeah. don't. You just try to figure it out and then mm-hmm. you think, oh shit, do I send one text too many? Or do I send too many texts? Or am I too
1: conversational? I don't worry about that stuff at all. Like, that's just not on my radar.
0: Anxiety-inducing. Huh. Totally anxiety-inducing.
1: So I guess leading up to the date is just different person-to-person.
0: Yeah, I've heard a little bit about some people who prefer to have a quick phone conversation before a date.
1: I actually went on a first date with somebody who, like, essentially said that he would only go on a first date after a phone conversation. He felt like that phone conversation was... Like, just vitally important. So we had a phone conversation.
0: Yeah, I'm going to lay out that the conversation because I have lots of lots of lots of input about that one.
1: Hmm. Yeah, okay.
0: we'll talk post podcast.
1: Okay. So when you're on the date, yeah. what do you think is important? I feel like it's
0: important to. Be reactive and show that you're actively listening. Yes. I feel like active listening is the most important part of a date. So show that you're – so if you say something to me, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: am I going to treat this like a one-way – sorry, excuse me. Am I going to treat this like a two-way monologue, which is a very distinct type of conversation that you've run into on first dates? Yeah. Are are we going to actually have a conversation and much more so the latter uh, having a conversation is um is being a good, healthy, active listener. So yeah. what are you telling me and what potential follow up questions do I have that shows that I'm interested in what you're telling me? I
1: think follow up questions are an important thing, you know, and it's an easy thing to do. It's just like ask more questions about that, you know. So what's I, the weirdest like conversational first date you've been on I went on this god it was the creepiest date we went to a restaurant he only ordered milk which like I mean deal breaker right that is so fucking weird but then like the only thing he he was not American he was like an immigrant the only thing he wanted to talk about was circumcision and like how all Americans are circumcised and it's just so weird to him and like Okay. Like, I actually have like a ton of thoughts about this, but that's like not the conversation to lead off with. It's not engaging in any way. I don't learn anything about you, you know? And yeah. It's just so weird.
0: That is weird. That is so weird. Uh, I feel like I. Don't recall ever having any conversation that's that weird. Mm-hmm. I think more so my issues have been conversations that just don't click, and I yeah, I think of one conversation in particular. Um, so, in effect, I I I work in sales. Um I went on a date with someone else that worked in sales in the very specific way that I work in sales.
1: Ooh, huh.
0: They were temporary. They were temporarily here. Okay. So they were here on like a 3-month contract. Yeah. So um we we met uh met on a dating app and then decided to go out. And that's the only reason why I would date somebody within my field is she was here temporarily. So We went out, but the thing about sales and building relationships is that sometimes it's not genuine at all. And it was really fucking crazy because both of us were obviously not feeling it, but we put on our sales face to each other. So we were both being very engaging and Uh acting like we are actively listening and enjoying the other's company. And we were not.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I haven't been in that kind of situation before. So how do you know when it is going well or when it is clicking? Like, I'm what looking, does that look like? I'm
0: looking for eye contact. Yeah. I'm looking for eye contact. I'm looking for them to look like they're genuinely enjoying themselves. I'm looking for them to not check their phone every minute, every five minutes, I'm looking for them to not look at their watch. I want yeah. I want to feel like they are sharing that moment with me. And I've had some huh. really good first dates where I felt yeah. like they clicked and we're like in this moment together really enjoying each other's company regardless of whether or not it's going to work out in the long term. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I mean that's the type of stuff that gives me like A warm, fuzzy feeling.
1: For me, it's so... Like, eye contact, yes. But for me, so much of it is about, like, smiling. You know, like, I want to date smiley people. Like, that's just something I like a lot. You know, but, like... I remember, like, my first date with my ex-husband. He smiled so much and so brightly that I felt, like, embarrassed looking at him. Like, it was... He was just smiling so hard, and I loved it. And that kind of thing, like, I am a sucker for that. Absolutely. So for me, it's like eye contact, but also like friendliness, like happiness. Not happiness, maybe, but like smiling is a big part of it for me.
0: I want to feel like also on a first date that I get to know you as a person much more so than like your online persona and your profile. So I don't care what you're into Uh hobby wise, but I want you to have a hobby and I want you to be passionate about it when you tell me about it. So you could you could you can knit tell me why you love knitting tell me how you got into knitting tell me about your favorite thing that you've ever knit before that passion is super attractive to me so share something that makes you who you are so if you like dungeons and dragons if you like that tell me why you like that Mm -hmm. you know i i feel like that's so important like sharing your passion you right. won't necessarily share your passions or experience your passions together as a couple, but I want someone's passion and hobby to not be me.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that's
0: a red flag. Yeah. If your hobby and passion is your partner and you have nothing else, it's not going to end well because I've done that before.
1: I mean, I think what this is showing is that, like, everybody is looking for something different on the first date just based on who they are and what their needs are.
0: It's true. But I feel like there is some legwork that you can do before a first date to figure out, you know, okay, what do I know about this person's about this about this date's personality? Are they a fun loving person? Are they active? If they're active, let's do something that gets us moving, but not in a creepy way. Don't don't volunteer (laughs) Like like hiking, you know, like, oh, I'm not yeah, going not, to...
1: Yeah, don't set up any, like, murder opportunities. Yeah,
0: I'm not going to a state park right. with someone I've never met before, you know, and turn it into some yeah some TV show. You know, I'm like, that's not going to happen. I
1: went on a first date that actually was, like, I was thinking about this as we talked earlier. Like, have I been on any first dates in, like, interesting locations? And the only one that I can think of that was, like, an unusual location in all of my million first dates was a first date to the grocery store. But after that, we ended up, like, talking in the parking lot. And it was, I think it was, like, late winter or early spring or something, but it was cold, so he was like, do you just want to sit in my car and keep talking? And I said, yeah. So we sat in his car, and then he started telling me, like, This had already, this date was off the rails already. Like just in a way that I was like, sure, there would not be a second date. But when we were sitting in his car, he started telling me that he like really admires certain serial killers. And I think that's a red flag.
0: So you have to think about what message and what vibe you're giving off. And you have to be cognizant of the things that women have to worry about on a date Absolutely. so let's meet in a well lit place let's meet where right. other people are around let's i uh, so you really need to think about men men this is a call in or uh, you know it's yeah it's a straight up call in for men it is to be more mindful about how about not putting your date if you're if you're dating a woman Um, Not putting them in a place uh, that would potentially make them uncomfortable. When
1: I was online dating this last time, I had so many guys who were like, well, I'll just come over. No, you won't come over. I'm not telling you where I live. I'm not inviting you into my house the first time I meet you. And I would say to these guys, no way. Are you fucking kidding me? Like you could kill me. And they're like, well, I wouldn't do that.
0: That's, a, that's what a murderer yeah, says. Yeah, that's exactly writes. what a murderer would say. Oh, right. no, I'm not, no a I'm not
1: I'm not going to meet somebody for the first time in my house. And the thing that was just like really wild to me was, you know, people would ask like, okay, when would you be free to hang out? And I would say like, you know, I've got kids, so it's just kind of hard for me to find free nights. And they would say, well, I'll just I could come over after they're asleep. I'm already never going to let you into my house the first time I meet you, but to let you into my house when my children are present is so beyond the pale, and yet many guys suggested this
0: that's wild, yeah, that's so wild to me and and yeah, I mean i from what I hear that's that's a pretty common experience Ugh. is that that's just Oftentimes, what's thrown out, and I think uh, I think that s- some men think of it as a numbers game. Well, if I ask a hundred sure. women this, all it takes is one to say, eh, "Sure, why not?" You know, right. for it to be worth the ninety-nine times before that, where women were like, "Are you crazy? Like, what is your yeah. problem?"
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Hmm. So okay. So let's see. Location. Hmm we've covered we've covered leading up to a date we've covered the date itself follow up, so I can tell you my style as as a dater um is very much so like if I'm feeling that date when I go home, I'm going to pick my fucking phone up and tell them that I felt yeah, that date me too, and it's like the sweetest thing and i I think of um I think of one situation in uh, of my adult dating life where uh, we both like felt that Mm -hmm. and I had picked up my phone to, uh, to text her that man, I had a great time tonight. Thanks so much. Like, let's do this again. Uh Like this was this totally, this was awesome. But as I was typing the text to her, She sent me a text. I was like, dude, that was an awesome day. You know, conversation was great. I just had such a good time. Let's do this again. So I like modified my text. And I was like, I was just picking, I just picked up my phone. I was typing you the exact same thing. That's weird. So um, I feel like being very clear with your intentions and feelings and motivations takes a lot of the guesswork out of dating definitely so if you're feeling it tell them and that saves you time and heartbreak and energy you're not going to spin your wheels with people who aren't into you if they're not into you and you send that that's their cue to be like yeah thanks but you know Mm -hmm. um whatever insert excuse here Or maybe you don't feel the need to respond or, you know, maybe they just grossly misread it. So I feel like it's very important to make your intentions very clear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that especially make your intentions clear if you want to see them again. If you don't want to see them again, I think you can play it a lot of different ways. But if you do want to see them again, tell them.
0: My favorite were the dates that I went on where it was obvious that neither of us were feeling it yeah. and were saying bye. And it's like, all right, well it was uh,
1: it was great to meet you. Uh, yeah, okay. Yep, have you ever been right. on a date where the person asked you, Will there be a second date? Oof. I have, and Oof. it was a no. I'm for sweating me, dog. And it was like, so do you wanna see each other again? And I was like, I don't think so.
0: How did they take it?
1: Not great. But then he was like, so should we hug? And I gave him a handshake.
0: Damn. <laughs> That's cold as <to> hell.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, I mean, it was a really bad date. Really, really bad. It's shocked me that he even asked. To me, it was very obvious. Like, we didn't click at all. It was like, if you've ever, like, it was kind of like in an, an annoying date. Like, the way that, like. Like my brothers were annoying to me when we were all kids. You know, it was like, just ugh. It was weird. It was awful.
0: So he definitely misread it.
1: Yes. Yeah, I.
0: Yes, uh, that that's the it's the absolute worst, and it's so awkward to have to wrap a date when you know that you're just not. You have no interest in in going on another yeah. date. But I definitely feel like if you are feeling it, um, let that person know, definitely, and then try uh, to keep that conversation going from there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Tell them if you like them. Tell them don't don't be like I like you, but you know, tell them you want to see them again.
0: What kind of dumb shit is that? So I send I send you a text that's like, do you I like, like you. me? Yeah, circle yes or no.
1: Adults do this. Yeah.
0: It's mind-boggling. Yeah. This... I mean,
1: be a little smooth about it.
0: So maybe that's something we talk about in a future episode. How do you yeah. communicate in the early stages of a relationship? How Ooh. do you communicate your intentions? How do you communicate yeah. where you want it to go? The pacing? Hmm. I, I mean, because I feel like these things, Um, when I've gotten myself into trouble in relationships, it's because I feel like the first 30 date. Days of a relationship are the most important time of the relationship period. Because you set a lot of norms. You set expectations. Yeah. You set the general vibe. And mm-hmm. when I think back to relationships that didn't work out, it was because I messed up one or more things during that first 30 days.
1: I will say having been in... A marriage or maybe just like longer relationships i'll disagree with that i think there's other more important 30 days but absolutely within the first few years i think that's the most important 30 days yeah
0: yeah definitely yeah so we'll talk about that feature a future episode and for now looking at the clock we made a an effort to cut down on the length of these episodes so I want to be mindful of your time, lovely listeners. And I know that you're just pulling into the office right now. It's a Monday morning. You don't want to go inside. But we're going to end this so you can go inside to your miserable job.
1: Have a great day at work.
0: Womp womp. Yeah, have a great day at work. And once again, lovely listeners, know that I would always swipe right on you. You're rolling your eyes as you do every time Ryan gets this catchphrase. <laughs> you know what? We're going to make podcast gear, and that is going to be what it says on that, on, mm-hmm. the, on the shirts. Lovely listeners, I would always swipe right on you. Um, But thank you again for listening to Swiped, an episode about uh, an episode, (laughs) a podcast about modern relationships. I hope you have a great day.
1: You too.